Okay, so welcome to episode 11 of Reading Tolkien Podcast. Um, today uh, I am with Shreda again, so how are you going, Shreda? I'm doing well, how about you? Yeah, not too too bad. Uh, you know, lots of work, but that's okay. Um, and today, so we're going to do a couple of things. First, I'm going to go over just a little bit of news, and also I'm going to shill my Patre- Patreon, which I haven't done yet on the podcast, but I do have one. Um, and uh, so I'm going to shill that, and then, <laughs> then we're going to talk about uh, Eldarin and Arendus again. So I must say, for those who have uh, listened to the podcast, uh, you'll know that this is the second time um, we've talked about this, although the first time, uh, I think it was the first time I talked about it, maybe in the, the second podcast, actually. But that was with uh, Razib, who um, is my very occasional other co-host. I'm hoping to have him back soon to talk about uh, the Akalabeth, the sort of downfall myth story. But um, today we're going to talk about it. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about it with Shrita, um, because of course we haven't we haven't really talked about it yet. So um, so we're just we're going to have another look. And as I've said a few times. Um, we we will revisit certain texts, uh, you know, because because a lot of this repays, you know, multiple viewings, as it were, um, rereading. So so today we're going to sort of do that with Eldarion and Arendus again, a very different story to the Hobbit, which we talked about last time, and <laughs> uh, before that, Children of Hurin. So um, we're getting a few around to a few of the lesser known works. So uh, before we get there, uh, or before we go there, um, any updates on what else you've been reading, Sharita? I know last time, actually, I can't remember what you said you were talking about last time. It was a biography of uh, someone. Da Vinci, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. I was reading a biography of Da Vinci, yeah. I'm still working my way through that one. It's quite long. But but I just finished reading a lovely little book um, called, I think, A A Week at the Airport. Oh, um, sounds quaint. By, by, <laughs> sorry? It sounds quaint, but good, good for quaint. Yeah. It's, it's by, um, by Alan de Botton, uh, or Alain de Botton. I don't know how you, I don't, I don't know if you prefer uh, yes. the French or the English pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. I've read his um, book on architecture, which was okay. <laughs> oh, cool. I didn't, I didn't know that he, he had a book on architecture. I actually had never read anything else by him though I th- he's kind of like a famous person i think right because i've yeah it seems like i've seen him around you know um yeah he's kind he of like is. a public intellectual type definitely he's he's learned how to monetize public being a public intellectual <laughs> very effectively yeah it certainly seems like it but um yeah it's just a charming book where i think uh when when in heathrow they were setting up terminal five um, in the mid two thousands, they they had him in to sort of spend a week there and just sort of write mm-hmm. about it. Um, ah, and and okay. you know, it's quite short, but it was it's a pretty charming little book. You know, um, the yeah. the airport is is really. Uh, I'm I'm someone who who loves airports, and I, I always think that they could be okay. a place where you enjoy yourself and and enjoy the leisure. And um, yeah. it's such a cultural hub for all of us, but most people sort of rush through it and are anxiety ridden. So I, I loved it because I love airports, but um, <laughs> if you don't like airports, maybe it's a bit well, bland. <laughs> I don't hate them. I mean, I, 
I feel, I don't know, I feel a strange sense of calm when I'm at an airport. I don't know why that is, despite all the busyness. Mm. <laughs> I have a funny story, actually. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but uh, the first time I went to Heathrow, actually, I um, I hadn't been, obviously, it was the first time I was there, so I hadn't, I didn't know really, really, uh, you know, about how to navigate it. And um, coming from here, um, our airport, you know, it's fairly, it's fairly large, but obviously not as large as, as Heathrow. And um, I, I sort of, I was trying to navigate around to my, um, my bus because I was getting a bus that I'd organised to go, sort of away from London, uh, for a time, and um, straight from, straight from the airport. And uh, so, I was, I was trying to navigate around, and I was like, how do I walk around here? And, and I was, I didn't actually realise that you could catch. Um, or at least I didn't at first realize that you could actually catch like the tube to the different part of the airport. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I sort of had no conception of that because now airport here, it's, as I said, it's, it's you know, it, it's a large airport, but you know, we don't, it doesn't have a train that goes from one part of it to another. <laughs> right. It doesn't right. need quite, quite that. So, um, so he threw, yeah, that, that was, and then finally I worked it out and I, I worked out that, oh yes, I have to get, catch the underground. So, um, yeah. So I was a bit embarrassed, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, but now, now, no, you know, now it's second nature, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Airports, you know, I have, I have a friend who, who, who always talks about how airports are idiot proof, but I really don't think that's the case. I think if you, if you don't read the signs, you can, you can easily well, be, be, you know, far more than an yeah, idiot and, yeah. and still, still have some trouble navigating <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, yeah, that was a bit silly, but, but that's that's really the only the only time that that's happened, thankfully. So, um, so at other yeah. airports, I've, I've been all right. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't I, I don't mind airports. I do have a bit of a fear of flying, though. So it's when I get on the plane that I start getting nervous. But um, well, that's that's what the airport bar is for. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm usually there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, anyway, even though I've you know I've flown well. <laughs> And from Australia, of course, unless you want to go to Asia, everywhere else, it's a very long, long flight. So, um, so you know, it's not like I've, you know, not flown quite a lot by now, but it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, the more I fly, the more anxious I seem to get. It's weird. <laughs> you would think it would go the other way around. But um, yeah. anyway, yeah. I need I, to go. I, to I love flying. I think it's, it's uh, you know. Yeah, I'd much rather get in a plane than a than a car any day. I always get a little bit ang- anxious when I get in a, an automobile because it's so much less safe. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, look, this is just my. It's just my. Um, uh, I don't know the your your personal anxiety or yeah, your personal uh, neurosis about plane. Yeah, yeah, um, it's not a you know it's not a reasoned um, it's not a reason kind of. Uh, kind of worry that i have but yeah yeah the horrible thing is i haven't been flying for a while now of course because because of covid but i'm hoping to go back to new zealand or something soon because we've opened up with them so oh cool <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe i'll be able to fly over there yeah all, all you covid free countries are are opening up together huh yes 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 <laughs> having well, all the fun with at least us that's too because we're close enough and yeah <laughs> It's close enough, similar enough that it's um, that it's not too it's not too onerous. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Flying to the US or something that that might be different. But <laughs> <laughs> indeed, who knows when that that flight will those flights will open again? But 
I'll have to come and visit uh, when they do. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be great. <laughs> should, yeah. should do a US yeah. tour. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yep. Yeah. No, we'll see in, in five years' time once we're allowed. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it won't be that long. But yeah. But anyway. But yeah. So no, that sounds like a good book. Yep. Yeah, to get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Quite, yeah. Quite little thing. Um, what, yeah, what about I've, you? I've, any any books on your docket? Uh, well, I've been reading um, the book I mentioned, I think, last time, Tolkien's Modern Reading by Holly Ordway, who I'll be interviewing at the end of this month. So this is a pretty interesting book. Um, yeah, I think it's fairly significant, um, you know, for those who are interested in Tolkien studies. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll be having a talk about that Um and I'm sure that will that will go nicely. And she, Holly's the author has already done a whole bunch of other podcasts. So for those who are interested, you can you can look her up. But I'm going to try and ask some different questions. So you know, hopefully it won't be too much of a repeat of, of some of the podcasts that she's already done. But um, but yeah, so that should be mm. a fun discussion. Um, nice. And apart from that, uh, not a whole lot else to be honest. I've just been a bit busy with work, so I've been. Reading's been a bit, um, you know, a bit on the, the backbone, as it were. But I've got a whole pile, several piles of, of books, of course. So, you know, one day I'll yeah. get through that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, I guess before we get into uh, Eldarion and Arendus, as I said, there is a bit of news about the Amazon show. Um, it's not really news. It's just it's something we sort of already knew, but it's just um, I guess it's clarifying the situation, and it's going to cost apparently four hundred and sixty-five million for the first season, which is apparently far away the most expensive. And that's in US dollars, so um, yeah, uh, you know, it's the most expensive show ever made um, by quite <laughs> a mile. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You know, the the set des- everything should look at the very least should look you know um, amazing. Set design, costume, any CGI should be seamless. I mean, if they're pumping those kinds of resources into it, um, I, I, I saw yeah. him, Lord of the Rings was tr- uh, tr- uh, uh, trending on Twitter um, for a little while because of this news and. and there was a couple of like you know there were a couple of people going oh they could have put that money into coronavirus vaccines and blah 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 I don't know <laughs> if they quite know how like the economy works but um, <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting <laughs> anyway to see yeah. to see how this how this all goes um, and uh, I, you know hopefully- I, I love I love that the coronavirus vaccine is uh, is a thing that they. Is a thing yeah, is yeah. the thing that they like go to, you know. Well, that's the of, latest, of all yeah. the of all the problems, <laughs> you know. If we're, if we're ever going to have this argument of all the problems of the world to solve, the COVID vaccine that we yeah that we already have is one of them. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> although not here because our government is stupid and didn't buy the right kind of vaccines. But anyway, um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no COVID here anyway, so it's okay. But yeah, yeah, you don't even need it. Yeah, I would like your, to your vaccine is good health sense. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting the Pfizer ones now, but we don't have the because we were manufacturing the AstraZeneca ones, but that's the blood clot thing. So I don't think they're giving it to people under fifty now. Oh um, boy! 
So I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I was scheduled to get the Johnson and Johnson um, on Thursday mm. a couple of days ago, but they canceled but it in the U.S. Yeah, canceled it for yeah, the same yeah, yeah. kind of blood clot situation, which is a bummer. But so do you? You say you're not vaccinated at the moment. I'm not, but um, I'm scheduled for my first dose of Pfizer actually on on this okay, next yeah. Thursday. So the, I, I'm really just dreading the fact that I have to go in twice now. I was really looking forward to the one and done, yeah. Johnson and yeah. Johnson, but you know. Uh, now I have to put two dates on my calendar, which is infuriating. I know, I know to the people listening, if someone's pulling their hair out because this is the ultimate first world complaint, I know I'm aware of how this sounds. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it is it is frustrating, but you know, at least yeah, at least um, at least you have access to it because because yeah. now of course they've ordered a whole bunch of the Pfizer ones for here, but but that's going to take more time now because. Um, because we didn't order it, you know, previously. So, hmm. so it's all a big bungle up. Um, anyway, yeah. That's, that's frustrating. <sighs> yeah, don't get me started on the awful conservative government that we have at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think about this? This Are you optimistic with this huge budget or are you kind of dreading, you know, that this will be uh, sort of well, over, overproduced and over... I, think it's, um, I prefer that they have a lot of money to make this than, than not. So it's good that they have <laughs> fair you know, money. Um, you know, as to the as as to the ethical, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I felt a bit funny about this because Amazon is just a terrible company for workers and employers. Sorry, employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I kind of I feel somewhat um, ethically torn about supporting. Amazon in this endeavor because at the one on the one hand I want to see an adaptation of the second age material because a lot of it's amazing but on the other hand I'm sort of um, yeah you know I don't know if I really want to support <laughs> I mean <laughs> this is a problem with with uh, with with you know with a lot of a lot of these big companies of course and Apple's um, you know, the, the way that they make iPhones and all of this is well known kind of the kind of corners they cut in terms of workers um, looking after workers and, and whatever so yeah I'm not sure what to what to think about it ethically because yeah go on I think I think what's with with cases like these you know the it's it's kind of it's kind of goes um, hand in hand with with um, with capitalism it's just you know with the way yeah, that we yeah. the, the way that we um, have the world set up right now like this kind of situation is unavoidable um, and I think if you if you sort of you know within reason uh, um, if, if you if you are always sort of doubting the the ethics of something like um, yeah. supporting a show on Amazon then um, you'll you'll end up living um, quite a quite a <laughs> barren life so you know I, I think that there can be sort of two two planes of two planes of existence one where you just sort of live your life and try to try to um enjoy it and, and another where you where you actually you know by by you know voting or um or do yeah. other kinds of yeah. you know sort of grassroots activism um try to actually enact some systems level change you know for for which you really need groups of people you know you need groups of people acting together to to have any real change um the the actions of any individual in something like supporting Amazon or not is really not going to change the 
situation. So I think, you know, you can have like a, this is not to say that you can just sort of sit on your ass and eat, you know, eat popcorn and, and not care for the world. Though, of course, you could do that too. And that's, that's not my business. But, um, but my point is, I, I wouldn't feel too, too torn about it. You know, you, you do have to, you do have to, you know, enjoy your life at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah no, this is true. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen and we can deal with the rest later. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm definitely trying to use Amazon less as like a, you know, to buy books and I don't know like mm. materials or things that I need. Um, so if I at least That's can fair. do that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be, I mean, it has a good creative team behind it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not much more we can say. I, I really hope they start doing a, I don't know, some sort of um, publicity soon so we can have, we have something to go on in terms of the design, the aesthetic, the look. That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing um because what i really don't want them to do is just slavishly copy the kind of aesthetics of the movies i think that would be a disaster because they really box themselves in they may do that a little bit but my feeling is that as the show goes on um that will happen less and less um, and we'll start to see Mm. more sort of unique designs but i don't know that's just an opinion a feeling that i have um but, uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see um, what they come up with. But really, that's so far the only the only news. Um, but it's, So it's speaking of $465 million, um, you said you had a Patreon. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Can some of that money come to me, please, um, on the Patreon? <laughs> Yeah, so it's just uh, it's at patreon.com slash reading Tolkien pod, all one, you know, phrase. And, uh, you know, for those who are interested, uh, we will eventually do some, um, do some patron only episodes once we get a, a few patrons. And, um, uh, you know, that money will be, uh, will we'll go towards sort of uh, maintaining, um, the podcast on, on Libsyn and so where it's hosted and then also, you know, materials like better mics, which I need. So once we have a bit of money there, I'll, I'll get a better mic and um, hopefully I'll sound better. So, um, and, and for those who contribute, yeah, there'll be extra episodes at first and then we might do some, well, who knows in the future, but, um, but we might do some merch or something if that ever, <laughs> if that, if it ever comes to that. So, um, yeah, please support us there if if you can, and there will be there will be some uh, some exclusive episodes uh, for you there in a bit. And um, yeah, so is there anything else you wanted to say before we, I guess, got into the um, into the discussion today? I think that that just about covers it. We can get we can get stuck in Altarian and Arendus now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, so this story, um, as those who would have heard the first episode um, know, uh, this story is from Unfinished Tales, or it's published in that volume. And um, it's sort of it's one of the few stories that deals with uh, the Second Age stuff, sort of Numenor stuff. And, and it's sort of a, I don't know how you would characterize it, almost as a domestic drama. <laughs> at least in part um <laughs> yeah and uh obviously befitting its 
place of publication. It is unfortunately um, incomplete. It was not finished, um, which is, I think, a big loss. But but in any case, um, yeah, it, it's a it's something different, something uh, something quite distinct from uh, Tolkien's pen. And so we're just gonna, yeah, as I said, reconsider some of some of its ideas, some of its. Um, some of its themes today. So I, I don't know, I guess to begin with, what did you think about the story? Um, just in a general sense. I liked it. Yep. Cool. I liked yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought it was, it was, um, it's, it's pretty solid. You know, this, this guy really, um, this guy really knew how to write. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I thought, I thought it was interesting in, in that um, really not a lot happens. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of the, the, um, yeah. Um, like, you know, I, I think we can sort of do the synopsis in like a couple of sentences really, if we wanted to, but I think that the sort yeah, of most yeah. of the, the meat of the story and, and, the, and the charm of it comes in the way that, um, in the way that he sort of, um, paints these characters, you know, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and sort of paints their, paints their, um, their ideas and, um, mm-hmm. You know, even even just sort of like there, like some some monologues. You know, there there are a couple of monologues in here that are that are really quite nice, um, and, yeah. and you know, almost almost poetically written. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how often he dipped into this kind of writing, but um, like in like outside of the outside of the major works, like I, I'm I'm not actually super well versed well versed with the um, the rest of the unfinished tales. But mm-hmm. it seems quite quite a different tone than than um, than the Children of Huron and, and you know cer- certainly the Hobbit yeah. and e- even yeah. even even the Lord of the Rings really. Yeah, I think you know this along with uh, Children of Huron um, and several other texts was sort of written um, after Lord of the Rings, and I, I feel like by that time, so in the fifties and sixties, I feel like at that time he'd really developed um, quite a distinct voice. And uh, obviously aided by writing the big, the Lord of the Rings, enormous kind of novel that it is. Um, and I think we see some of the, you know, some some of the best, best of that kind of writing um, in Children of Her and, and also here. Um, I think there are some similarities actually between this, not the stories per se, but the um, the writing style. It's kind of terse. It's kind of very. Um, I don't know I don't know how to explain it, but it, it's not as languid as the Lord of the Rings. Um, there's less descriptive kind of. There are fewer descriptive passages, um, just in a general sense. Mm. Um, but at the same time, as in the Children of Hurin, I think a lot of emotion is communicated um, in the, as you say, through the sort of monologue, through dialogue, um, and through sort of very terse. Um, Terse description, but at the same time, it's not uh, it's not, archa- it's not archaizing like his early material was. Um, it does, as in the Lord of the Rings, there is some use of sort of archaism, but not a whole lot. Um, he deploys it very sort of carefully, um, and yeah. I don't, so I don't know if you'd agree with that or yeah, what you'd feel about that, but yeah, I, I kind of I feel like he just develops this. Um, this style, sort of after writing *Lord of the Rings*, a, a less a less languid style, which he would sort of write some of these first and second age stories in. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an interesting point that you brought up about um, about it, it's really fine the way that he is really subtle the way that he uses um, the the archaism. Um, it it almost it almost seems like um it almost seems cinematic uh, you know the the way that he it, it's it seems like yeah. um like he dips into that tone at at a moment where the story kind of modulates to 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 another scene um yeah. and it kind it kind of gives a, a rhythm to it um it, it gives it sort of like a, a beat you know um and and i can sort of see the the, the the scenes kind of changing um, yeah, as his yeah. sort of tone go, goes in and out of um, of, of various styles so I, I think in, in terms of the um, mm. the 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 modulations maybe is, is the best way to put it yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it's really definitely. wonderfully done and it's, it's interesting I didn't realize that he wrote this so uh, I didn't realize that this was a later work but that makes mm. sense I, I think Martin Amis somewhere says that um says that uh, the the these the talent of the young writer is is the is the talent of 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 a snappy sentence or turn of phrase but but mm. the and that might that might sort of dwindle with time but the but the skill that you that you that one gains as a writer is is in the mm. is in the modulations um <laughs> you know yeah. the, the way that the way that dickensian uh, the, the way that in dickens you know characters you know, they, they move through the city and you can actually, you know, Mm. there's like a, there's a beat to the way that they move, you know? Um, I think a a less experienced writer would, would have that be more choppy where, and I think it's a similar thing here. There's, there's a sort of scope to this, to, to Alderian and Arendus, but, um, but you, you feel safe in Token's hand because um, yeah, there's just, there's just a beat and he knows how to change the, the tone of his voice. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you have anything to to go on that. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I don't know if Tolkien ever wrote snappy sentences, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but I think um, there are a few in the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, but uh, but know, not as quite said, as I, he's not quite as snappy as Martin Amis for sure. Uh, no, no, Martin. Yeah, that, that's a that's a very distinct kind of yeah. Um. <laughs> um I just wanted to read a passage, uh, which is quite nice. My edition, which is HarperCollins, it's on page 226. Um, and I think this is just when he is coming back from his first voyage. So we should say that, of course, um, yeah, this is about, as I said, sort of set in Numenor, the, um, re- sort of records the relationship of Aldarion, who is the... Uh, prince of Numenor, one of a prince of Numenor, and also Arendus, his sort of love interest, um, and he is the heart of the story. Is that is that uh, each of these people, um, thanks to being having been born in Numenor, are blessed with long lives, um, and they um, so they have this sort of very uh, very long courtship and um, things begin to strain when um, Eldarion repeatedly goes out to Middle-earth on voyages. Um, so he's a ship captain. And, um, and of course, uh, um, Erendis is left at home and she sort of um, has some choice words to say about Eldarion's um, 
you know, his uh, escapades. So the book is not really about Eldarion's adventure. What I like about it is it's not not about his adventure at all. It's really about the effect of his absence um, more than mm. anything else. So, um, so it's a very it's as though in, in in the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien wrote a novel about the effect the effect of um, uh, Sam's absence on rosy cotton or something. <laughs> so it, yeah. it takes it takes the route of of not following, and it doesn't follow Eldarion on his adventures. Right when when he goes over the sea, it sort of we get some very brief descriptions of what he does, but we don't sort of follow him there, um, which is important. We, we always stay on Numenor. Um, so anyway, he's returning from his first voyage in this passage. Um, Are you speaking of his first voyage with his um, his grandfather? Is that who is that who that is? Uh, um, or or his first um, his first voyage solo. I think it's his first solo voyage. I think. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to find it myself so I can so I can like on follow the... along, but. It's like on the fourth page on my edition. My edition. Um, okay, cool. Sounds like something. Someone's been naughty in in Minnesota, or no, you're not in Minnesota. I keep getting that wrong. <laughs> in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin? I, I think. <laughs> I think technically we're not. We're still not allowed to have parties, but you know the weather's getting uh, nicer and it's Friday night, and uh, you know I live in like a college town, so I think I think the uh, police is going to yeah. go bust yeah. up some uh, some COVID parties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that'll pick up, but there was a there was a siren in the background for for, read, for, for listeners. I don't know, but um, anyway, <laughs> it's talking about how Eldarion returns. So there was joy in Romana, which is one of the port cities in Numenor, and Armenolos, when men saw the great ship Numera. <laughs> oh my God, Numeramma, yes, which signifies west wings. I like that. Coming up from the sea, her golden sails reddened in the sunset. The summer was nearly over in the Eru Huntale, which is a um, uh, festival, uh, was nigh. It seemed to Menelda <clears throat> that he welcomed his son in the house of Vianta, that he had grown in stature. Sorry, when he welcomed his son uh, in the house of Vianta, that he had grown in stature and his eyes were brighter, but they looked far away. What did you see, Anya? Which is, I don't know, the Numenorean word for son, I guess, in your far journeys that now lives most in memory. But Aldarion, looking east towards the night, was silent. At last he answered, but softly as one that speaks to himself, the fair people of the elves, the green shores, the mountains wreathed in cloud, the regions of mist and shadow beyond guess, I do not know. He ceased, and Menelda knew that he had not spoken his full mind, for Aldarion had become enamoured of the great sea and of a ship riding there alone without sight of land, borne by the winds and foam at its throat to coasts and havens unguessed, and that love and desire never left him until his life's end. I know. I just love that little <laughs> that passage there. Um, I loved it too. Just, I actually, I actually un- underlined that that passage yeah, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, um, it just really it's captures. Really, it's really nicely written. It captures sort of both. Um, I don't know Eldarian's sort of so-called sea longing, which um, Tolkien talks about himself sort of having. You know that sense of wanting to. I don't know, somehow escape to the sort of the, I, I guess it's that same sense that Moby Dick, you know, <laughs> produces when you, when you read that or hints at um, that sense mm. that the sea is this sort of magnificent um, and sort of untamed wilderness, but that sort of 
there are spiritual depths there in addition to the you know the depths itself but there's something also kind of um slightly frightening i guess about the sea um Hmm. But that almost the sense that once you once you have experienced that the I don't know the life on the land it seems almost somehow to fade um, fade into or diminish you know in importance and, and sort of um, so I don't know I think for me that captures that feeling there and then of course um, and it does that it does that without having to sort of narrate Eldarion as I've said going on this journey right so again we stay in Numenor all the time we're always there in this story which which is interesting. Um, we're still, but the sea is still this character in the book, even though we're never sort of directly there. Um, but uh, yeah, he he says he says um, not not. I think just a couple of pages after that, um, he what does he say here? Um, it's it's when when um, I think his, his he's he's wanted to go on another um, mm. journey and. It says here, um, then Almarion said to him, must you depart again, Aldarion, my son? Is there nothing that will hold you in the fairest of all mortal lands? Not yet, he answered, but there are fairer things in Armenelos than a man could find elsewhere, even in the lands of the Eldar. But mariners are mind, uh, but mariners are men of two minds at war with themselves and the desire of the sea <laughs> still holds me. Um, I just, I also really like that, but yeah, I think that, that, that also kind of, um, it's a nice, nice poetic way of of putting putting his um, his sea longing, mm. you know. In yeah, for sure, yeah. And then, of course, when he returns to Numenor, he lives on an island um, in the bay of of, of, of Romana, this city. Um, and uh, so he, <laughs> you know, he's he doesn't even sort of uh, even when he's he returns, he sort of he has one foot, as it were, in the sea. Um, yeah, so, I don't quite. Under, is that basically like a yacht that he's got going on there? Uh, what, he what, is, what is that situation? Uh, what does it say? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not a yacht. This is this is Numenor, not like Orange County or whatever. But <laughs> at the time, he having no mind to live upon land in Armenelos, that's the royal city, had a ship built that should serve as his dwelling place. He named it therefore Iamba, which presumably means something. <laughs> And at times he would sail to it, in it, <laughs> sorry, from haven to haven of Numenor. For the most part, it lay an anchor of Tol Uinen. That is an island. And that was a little isle in the Bay of Romana that was set there by Uinen, the Lady of the Seas, sort of a sea goddess. Um, upon Iamba was a guildhouse of the, of the venturers, and there <clears throat> were kept the records of their great voyages. For Tarman Elder looked coldly on the enterprises of his son and cared not to hear the tales of his journeys, believing that he sowed the seeds of restlessness and the desire of other hands to, lands to hold. And we'll come to that in a minute too. <laughs> this whole um, issue of sort of uh, imperialism in the story. So, yeah, it, it's, I think it nicely captures, um, captures Eldarian's uh, sort of personality there. And then, um, of course, we also have Arendis, um, who we meet uh, a bit later in the f- story. But she has her own character. And I think what's interesting about the story is that it really doesn't take sides, right? Um, at least to my mind. I don't know. Did you feel like it was fairly even-handed <laughs> when it comes to um, 
these two characters, the two main major characters. Um, I think so. I yeah, I I, I think I would agree with that. Mm. I think Eldarion is you know he he's a bit um, he's a bit scathing about her at times. I'm I'm not sure that the I'm not sure that the prose is sort of uh, re- reflexively cri- critical of him the way that um say when when humbert humbert is horrible in in lolita um navikov <laughs> is horrible to humbert humbert uh, i'm, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure that i got the same kind of dis- disdain for aldarian from token but uh, i could be wrong about that uh, on the whole i think it's fairly even-handed though yeah 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 for sure because um i guess the book doesn't really or the story doesn't really um intersect very much of course with the larger legendarium although it does because we learn later that eldarion is sort of establishing relationship with the elves and that you know they're going to that's going to be the base of the alliance in which sauron is fought but but i think what the story also says as i've sort of gestured towards is that 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 there is that going on but there's also the like the as as that extract just just i just read sort of hints at there's also um there's also this sense that uh, Eldarion is sort of preparing the way for Numenorean um, expansion, right? <laughs> sort of imperial expansion, and I think that's that's a big. Uh, well, it's a sort of a you might say a secondary theme of, of this work, um, because of course, what why does Eldarion want to go to Middle Earth? In part, it's in order to obtain resources that mainly wood, right, for his ships and fleets and stuff. And this is eventually a major reason for why Sauron is able to um, sort of uh, gain the gain alliance with a lot of the, the humans who live in Middle Earth, right? It, it's in part because of Numenorean imperialism. So, um, which starts here. So, there's a kind of ambiguity about um, Eldarion's political um, motives, not not domestically, but like in a sort of foreign policy sense. Uh, that's also kind of interesting. <laughs> makes the sort of moral dichotomy of Lord of the Rings more uh, interesting in retrospect, perhaps. Um, even though that book doesn't, yeah. it's, it's so sort of, that book is so distant from this point in time that we don't even, we don't really have that sense of things. But yeah, anyway, there's a lot there. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's a good point. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to sort of, half half correct what i what i just said which is that I, I don't i think i don't really feel token having that much um sympathy for Arendus over eldarian but but i but mm. i think token is is quite um reflexively um critical of of eldarian's politics i guess if you will um like one yes, one yeah. one one phrase or not phrase but one part really stuck out um it, it's it's when when Eldarion is is sort of becoming um, estranged from yeah. from his father, and um, yeah, it says um, the ships of the Numen uh, sorry the ships of the Numenorians became ever larger and of greater um, mm-hmm. draught or draft in those days, and I don't know actually how you say that word uh, until true. they could make f- okay yeah, I think, uh, yeah. fair enough. Until, until they could make far voyages carrying many men and, and great cargoes. And Aldarion was often long gone from Numenor. Tar, Tar Meneldor ever opposed his son, and he, and he set a curb on the felling of trees in Numenor for the building of vessels. 
And and it came therefore into Eldarion's mind that he would find timber in Middle Earth, and seek there for a haven for the repair of his ships. In his voyages yes. down the coast, he he looked with wonder on the great forests and at the mouth of the river that the that the Numenorians that the Numenorians called Guathir, River of Shadow. He established Vinyaland. I don't know how you would say that. Uh, the, the new haven. Vinyalande. <laughs> Vinyalande. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, like, like you said, the beginning of this sort of, um, imperial instinct, but to me, I, he, you know, it's, it's, it sounds like Tolkien is painting him almost like a, a Saruman-esque figure, you know, kind of the, <laughs> yeah. the, the industry, the, the mind of metal and wheels or whatever it is, um, kind of, <laughs> that's not, not quite that extreme, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's valid, but it's not. It's not quite as extreme. But yeah, it, it seems. Yeah, I think it seems like Tolkien is definitely critical of, of this of his politics yeah, yeah. here. By the way, um, if you've ever been to New Haven, Connecticut, that is the translation of Vinyalande. So you can always say, "I've been to Vinyalande." <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a um, tiny town here called New Haven too, but it's like a little village. So it's not not really doesn't really count. But <laughs> huh. but uh, yeah. Um, I should, I should start. Um, anytime isn't that where Yale is, or am I am I wrong? Anytime uh, I meet someone from who goes to Yale, I should just say, "Oh, do you, do you live in Vinyalande?" <laughs> it is. It is. I think Yale. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, anyway, anyway, just a random bit of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's right, and so that's you know this is the first of the Numenorean sort of settlements in Middle Earth. And then, you know, as we go through the history, we we find out that, of course, eventually many of the cities in Gondor, for example, were founded during that sort of period of expansion. And really the late Second Age is like the story of, um, you know, it, it's not at all this, and I hope the show captures this, but the late Second Age is kind of not at all this, um, this story about the fight between Sauron and the, the beleaguered, good people, Middle Earth. It's um, it's really a story about the two slave empires, Sauron's empire and then Numenor sort of battling it out, um, which, you know, could make for a fascinating end to the show. Um, but so we, we see here the seeds of, uh, as you say, the Saruman-esque kind of seeds of um, the downfall of, of Numenor, at least in the sense that it, it's moral downfall, right, as they, mm. as they begin to spread into Middle Earth and... Um, Start start extracting resources and, and whatever, um, but I think you're right that it um, to to note Saruman there because of course with the forests and the cutting down of forests we do see um, we see a, a sort of recapitulation of that ecological theme if you like um, in as we see it in in of course the Lord of the Rings as well um, and we see it again here. Uh, as you know, uh, uh, but 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 also like contextualized as a kind of outcome of like imperial policy. So I think that's what makes it interesting here. Yeah, at least for me. Yeah. No, I agree. And um, um, you know, while we're on this this kick mm. of of reading, I, I think the, you know <laughs> one of, one of my favorite parts was was right at the the end when. Um, when Aldarian's father, um, you know, a- after he receives a note from Gilgalad, um, um, I, which I, I don't know if you want to talk about that, 
before we get to this to this part but um sorry we can talk about that later yeah or after yeah yeah okay um yeah so so he's 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 quite conflicted um Eldarian's father and and he has Mm -hmm. he has um this he has a bit of a monologue and and there's a part that that i really liked in it um where he says yet if the world grows again dark the lords must must know and and they've sent me no sign unless this be the sign what's that our fathers our fathers were rewarded for the aid they gave in the defeat of the great shadow shall their son stand aloof if evil finds a new head and then the part that i really liked is um i am in too great doubt to rule to prepare or to let be to prepare for war which is yet only guessed train craftsmen and tillers in the midst of peace for blood spilling and battle put iron in the hands of greedy captains who will love only conquest and count the slain as their glory will they say to eru at least your enemies were amongst them or to fold, ha- fold hands while friends die unjustly. Let men live in blind peace until the ravisher is at the gate. What then will they do? Match naked hands against iron and die in vain, or flee, leaving the cries of women behind them? Will they say to Eru, at least I spilled no blood? When either way may lead to evil, of what worth is choice? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of that kind of um, sums up the conflict which i think is a, it's a legitimate one um it's not it's, yeah. he's not he's not outright critical of um of it but i, I don't know what, what what are your thoughts what do you think mm. what, what do you think of the yeah. here? yeah i like that i mean what's interesting about Manelda, of course is that he gives up the he abdicates so that aldarian um can sort of uh <laughs> you know bring numenor i guess into the politics of Middle Earth, um, because he recognizes himself that um, Numenor—it's sort of inevitable that Numenor can't remain this island paradise, such as it is. Um, even though that seems to have been the intention um, in the story, right? That that somehow the the Numenorians would sort of live um, uh, with a, with a sense of uh, what's the word? I don't know. With a sense of uh, completeness or um satisfaction mm. uh sort of keeping keeping to their island but if, but so this is i suppose what manella is talking about this is sense of, so it's you know it's interesting that he abdicates and sort of acknowledges defeat in a sense right he sort of acknowledges that well i can't do this i'm not um i don't i don't have the the acumen to um for politics, basically, and, and Eldarian, who's you know, being so it's a kind of tragic, you know, it's a bit of a tragic um, development because, um, on the one hand, as we've said, you know, Eldarian is sort of this figure who has this longing for the the open spaces of the sea, for the sort of the, but he's also drawn into the politics of Middle Earth and not entirely um, against his will or anything. You know, he establishes this haven. He um, he starts cutting down forests. This produces this produces some conflict with the, the natives, as it were. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, a kind of heart, there's a kind of heart of darkness thing going on there. Um, yeah. You know, the, the great forests of Middle Earth cutting, you know. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. That, that's, yeah, it, it's interesting how how this one little story, which is, you know, unfinished really delves into the psychology of that early development of the sort of imperialism, um, 
in a political way, but also like through these personalities, it's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, and it's 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 almost like through through Menelder's tragedy, mm. I guess his personal tragedy. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is almost like a a story of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, it's, it's a story of the birth of politics, or, or at least the, the sort of awareness <laughs> yeah, kind of, of politics thrust thrust onto yeah. someone. Because, um, you know, being, I, I think the 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 hmm. thing to take away from this is is really is really that, um, I, which I don't know if, if Token would agree with this, but my my takeaway is that is that. Um, to is that to sort of uh, abstain from politics is, is is actually a political decision and um, mm, and if yes, you, yeah, yeah. the yeah and if you if you want to if you want to sort of live this life where where you're totally peaceful and and whole um, you know mm. that's that's a fairyland and it's it's a land that's not really going to exist and um, mm. and yeah it, you know the the people that 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 we need at the helm are are people who are capable of making, you know, tough decisions, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but, um, but I think, you know, that's why he, that's why he, like you said, that's why he abdicates. Um, he, 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 it's almost like he, he realizes that, that, um, even though he's, he's like the old wise King, he, he's almost like a, um, especially in the, the beginning, his character, the characterization of him right at the top of the story, I thought was, was actually quite beautiful. Um, of him as a sort of ge- a gentle man who who's sort of um, happy to to look you know at, at the stars and consider the origins of the of the world or something like that you know mm-hmm. um, he seems like a philosopher king he, he seems someone yeah. who is who's fit for peacetime but but not actually um, <laughs> not actually a political leader you know the, the way that a philosopher king can't be um, yeah so yeah. so you know there, there's a real um, there's a real hardness Jeez, what's going on story, back there? I, <laughs> I don't know man i don't know i guess it's just i mean <laughs> i guess people are just partying like crazy around here lots of parties um, lots of police shutting up parties yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> who would have thought that wisconsin is, is party central but it certainly sounds like it yeah. tonight. but yeah, but yeah there, there, there's a real sort of it's, it's almost it's almost a a jaded you know, look, look at the world. Like, you know, mm. the Imperials may suck, but at least they're doing something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess so. Um, just to go back to the Amazon show just for a second, I, I found, found a tweet um, by William Babiani. I don't know who he is, but some sort of film critic. So I don't know, whatever, but he's going on about, he has a tweet about the Amazon show. It says, um, so he says, uh, four sixty-five million. As I said, gosh, there's a lot of sirens there. He says, um, "Sorry about that." <laughs> no, no, that's right. He says these aren't fun facts. Amazon could be spending this money on their mistreated workers instead. I'm seeing this a lot on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, there seems to be a bit of a bit of virtue signaling going on about this. So I'm not <laughs> quite sure what's why. Why suddenly now people are like, oh. For this show in particular, we shouldn't spend money on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean that's that's just it's insane. I mean, look, I mean, you know, look, I, I don't actually believe this, but but what if you know? I think an argument could be made that 
um, the only way forward as a as a species is to become spacefaring. And the two people that seem both interested and capable of doing that for us right now are Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Um, so, yeah. you know, yeah, even well. if in the in the short run he's <laughs> mistreating his workers, um, maybe maybe um, this four hundred and sixty five million dollars, you know, to to get them more money. Uh, to keep the Amazon, uh, you know, churning, the Amazon machine churning will eventually be the thing that gets us, uh, you know, a multi-planetary <laughs> well, species. Maybe. I mean, I'm saying, I'm not you sure know. about the ethical calculations there, but yeah, maybe. Um, There's there definitely some, uh, some Numenorean vibes coming from that. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird sentiment, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I don't know why, why for this show, I, I guess because it's expensive and people are like, well, and Amazon, as I said before, has this, um, you know, doesn't, I mean, it's true that it doesn't treat workers as it should, um, you know, with dignity. So this is a shitty situation, but I'm not sure the way to address it is to say, well, they shouldn't make this show or they should pay less of this show. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's a total non sequitur. Just, you know, there are other ways to, to, you know the, the way to to force Amazon to to treat its workers better is through again its you know effective group lobbying and 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 you know the the sort of unsexy work of politics. Um, mm. You know the 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 tweeting about complaining about or the stopping of one show, which you know four hundred sixty five dollars uh, million dollars. It's a lot of money, but it's not really you know in the broad scheme of things. Um, so I'm sure Amazon you know, could it's, it's really. more and do the show the same time exactly probably. exactly yeah <laughs> that's probably what we should be asking for um I, yeah i think it must just be because the show is so visible and it's a lot of money it's more money than any other show and yeah you know yeah. maybe people it's, are an just, easy target. it's an easy sort of virtue yeah. signal target, right exactly you, exactly you, you you signal your sort of i don't know what cred or whatever by going after the, the money um yeah it's, exactly <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. The whole God, the psychology of Twitter is disgusting. I hate it. All these <laughs> fucking so-called virtuous people, and they don't probably don't do a cent or give a shit about you know the rights of workers in their normal lives. But whatever. Yeah. Man. <laughs> um. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I'm so angry. We could do a whole. We could do a whole separate podcast on the cesspool that is Twitter. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh my God. Especially film critics. Like, what the fuck? What have you ever done? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like this, this film critic that no one has ever heard of. <laughs> it's, they're like, all right, cool, well, dude. Yeah, um, maybe he's famous. I have no idea, but yeah, it's just you know. All right, just, all right, um, fair enough. Frustrating. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe not. But uh, yeah, it just seems it seems to me an easy and you know an easy target. I, I don't know. It's, it's it seems to me, and this will be the last thing I say on, say, say on this. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. If you yeah. <laughs> if you are any sort of artist or artist adjacent person like a filmmaker or a film critic or a musician or whatever i think you have basically relinquished your rights to sort of complain about the way that money is being spent on things in society because the arts are a kind of necessary i would say necessary but definite suck on the public resource um you know <laughs> Perhaps, you, yeah. you, we can argue about the merits of of what you gain from from that but um I'm not sure that a film critic is the best person to to be yeah. saying, you know, maybe $465 million could be spent elsewhere, you know? And also, you know, like, again, again, I want to read That's why you have a job, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, again, I, I, <laughs> no, you're right. Again, I agree with the sentiment that 
Amazon should treat its workers better. I'm just saying that they can afford to do both. Like the answer to Amazon's workers being treated better is not to like cancel or halve the budget of a show. It's to make Amazon like, I don't know, it, it's to incentivize um, Amazon to treat its workers better somehow. I don't know how to do that, but um, right. you're not, you're not going to do that by, you know, complaining about the money spent on one particular show. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a problem. If, if they just if they just if if they just lower the funding for the Amazon show, then they then then we're gonna have you know workers who are treated shittily, and we're gonna have a bunch of people who are pissed off because the show was a piece of shit. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna solve the other problem, you know. No, yeah, you're just you're adding anyway, you're adding another anyway, thing. But anyway, sorry, let's get back to the. <laughs> I am, no, don't no, worry, no. I am a democratic socialist. Everyone, I. <laughs> I um. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, Even as a corporation, to shows your tax returns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God. I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So sorry about that uh, little <laughs> little. Thing. I just I just saw that on Twitter. I was like, this is stupid. Why is this narrative developing? This is ridiculous. Anyway, um, like I agree with yeah, the sentiment. In, on this. In part, but yeah, yeah. But but um, but at the same time, I'm like like virtue signaling about this show is not going to help anyone. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, God, ridiculous. And the other thing I'm seeing, sorry to keep going, is that, oh, nobody wants this show or this is going to be a big flop, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. Do you think this is going to be a huge flop? Flop? Actually? Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Um. I haven't I haven't actually looked into sort of who's who's like running it and who's involved in stuff, but um I think people just have a bad taste in their mouth from from the Hobbit, as we talked extensively about last time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I think, you know, I, I kinda get the sense that they're they're gonna move. I think I think they knew that kinda sucked and and mm-hmm. I think it's a different it's a different team, I think, and they're gonna they're gonna hopefully just start a whole different thing and um Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I, th- I think I said I forget if if we talked about this on the podcast or if this was just when we were chatting. But mm-hmm. I think if the if the success of the Lord of the Rings as a sort of cinematic enterprise is going to happen, it's gonna it's gonna sort of take the the form of kind of the the Sherlock Holmes canon or that that kind of universe, you know, where <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where yeah. we have a bunch of different people sort of having their different takes on it and. Yeah. Um, some yeah. will be good and some will be bad, but hopefully there's the, the sort of style, like the, the, the sort of cinematic look of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Hopefully that is discarded soon, mm-hmm. sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. Like you said, I think as long as they do that, it'll be a success because, yeah. um, it doesn't matter how this particular show show will be. Um, I think what matters is that this show is, is set as a sort of new, baseline for like you know we're not we're not like doing the thing that the movies did anymore we're now starting a whole th- yeah. th- different thing where like we can have a different attack uh, a different like take on lord of the rings um and yeah. the whole middle earth stuff and as long as it does that i think i think long run yeah. that's it that's i don't know what do you think yeah i don't know i mean my feeling about the zeitgeist is that game of thrones is sort of dead in the water and lord of the rings is back i don't know that's just my sense of things uh, like Game of Thrones, people were Game of Thrones stands for a while. We're like, you know, this is the new Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is stupid and dumb, and 
blah blah blah. This is the new sophisticated blah 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 blah. blah. But the people uh, who said that only 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 watched the Lord of the Rings movies, you know. Well, yeah, I think. I I, but maybe not. I sorry, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. But what were you no, saying? No. Yeah, no, no, I, I, that's fine. I mean, I was just saying that. Yeah, I, I think that that I feel like that moment has gone, and I feel like Tolkien is bad. Like, there's a lot of people on like YouTube, and like I don't know. I just anecdotally, I feel like that's in the zeitgeist. Whereas I feel like other fantasy shows, like The Witcher, yeah, it's kind of there. People are kind of interested in it. Game of Thrones prequels that are coming out, yeah, there's. I haven't seen much enthusiasm at all for those. I mean, I think the Lord of the Rings show, if this show is actually good, it could be huge. Um, I don't see why it would be a, be a flop. I mean, I suspect a lot of people saying that don't actually realize this is not an adaptation of the novel. It's a mm. sort of a, it's an imaginative um, adaptation is not quite the right word. It, it's an imaginative retelling or telling of uh, the second age um, story like the forging of the rings and stuff and um you know so it, it, it's going to be something quite new and distinct um i think and if it's if it's good i, I don't see why it, it could be huge i think um yeah I, you know it's certainly going to look amazing I, I feel probably you know probably will blow us away in that sense and um you know if it's well if it's written anything like breaking bad like that quality then I don't see why it wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be good. Yeah. Wouldn't be well. No, know, I well, agree. Well, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, good stuff, good stuff lasts, even if, even if other, other things sort of come in, um, you know, more faddish things come in and become more sort of popular yeah. in the moment. I think, you know, obviously yeah. I, I really don't think that I, I haven't read the game of Thrones. So I, I don't, I don't know, but from the little Would that I know about it, it seems very, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Wouldn't bother to be honest. It's my own. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never, I, I never got the sense that there's very much substance there in, in terms of um, the kind of things that we can discuss with, with the Middle Earth stuff. You know, in terms of um, ethics or, or like we were just doing, you know, before we got on this tangent, uh, like you know, politics or imperialism. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's some something there in the, in Game of Thrones as well, but um, I, I just, I doubt that, I doubt that there's an entire field of study uh, of scholarship around it, you know, the, the way know, that the way that probably. there is around token. <laughs> is there, yeah. is, but... I mean, if, if there is, you know, I, you know, I must be wearing orthopedic shoes cause I stand corrected, but you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, look anyway, sorry for this huge diversion, but I guess, no, I guess no, it's no. worth talking about because it's an interesting, um, <sighs> you know, it, it's, it's this, you know, it, it's starting to, um, starting to uh, sort of peek through uh, the sort of the into popular culture popular or into the popular consciousness like on Twitter sort of mm-hmm. and and I don't know, I'm just I'm curious as to why it, it gets this negative reaction I think anything involving corporations and lots of money and it's if it's really obvious like if it's really if it's something culturally salient then it gets can 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 uh, you know can receive a sort of a negative response but um, anyway, we'll we'll see what. Happens. I also think, I think. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Sorry, just I I know I said this before, but seriously, you know, one last thing. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and then I'll stop. But I, I also think that there's a general sense in the culture right now where any sort of um, artistic enterprise that 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 gets talked about or like sort of comes up to the you know that kind of bubbles up to the surface um, 
if if it doesn't have some sort of express or obvious um, sort of social betterment angle, um, mm. I think I think the 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 immediate reaction, at least on Twitter, I don't know about the real world. I, I don't. I get the sense that it's not like this at all in real life. But on Twitter, the immediate sense is 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 a kind of negative reaction. Is the kind of why do we need to do this? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I saw something like this cropping up when um, it was announced that Ray Fiennes was going to do um, a an adaptation of T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, which I love. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a similar kind of, you know, what exactly is the point of this um, in yeah, terms of yeah. the social betterment angle, which is a fair question. Um, you know, my response as an artist is that there doesn't need to be a point to this. It's, it's beautiful. And that's, that's all that matters. But, um, you know, some people might disagree with that. And I think those people sort of tend to congregate on Twitter, which is why I think, um, whenever something like this comes up, um, again, with, with no obvious social reason to do it, except for that, it's going to be like, cool. Um, I think people are kind of resentful, resentful of it a little bit on, on Twitter. Um, and That's it makes Twitter a horrible place to be, you know, if you're someone who cares about art and beauty. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess we've always lived in a, in a world really when, when people want to co-opt art for their own propagandistic purposes. I mean, there's nothing new in that, I, I guess. Um, yeah, but there yeah. definitely is, there definitely is, um, yeah, the, I don't know if that's what what's quite behind this little I don't know spat that some film critics seem to have, but <laughs> yeah. In any case, <laughs> um, so apologies, listeners. I hope that was mildly interesting, um, <laughs> as as a sort of a diversion. But but you know, I mean, it's interesting because I mean they're not necessarily going to be adopting this particular story. But as we see from this story, I think there's a lot of thematic and sort of um, writerly interest that can be gleaned from this period, you know, um, because really, the, as, I, as I said before, the two major, we have two major antagonistic, you know, empires, the Numenorians and then Sauron's sort of empire. And, and that's, that's sort of what comes to frame the whole Second Age in the end. And this is sort of the beginning of that, but we're seeing it through a personal story, which I think is very interesting. Um, and I think, you know, had Tolkien lived longer, I, I feel that he might have gone down the way of fleshing out a lot of Second Age stuff um, in stories like this. Um, unfortunately, he was not a Numenorean, so he was not blessed with long life. But, um, yeah, but um, yeah. you know, I think it's, yeah, it, it's worth a story like this is, is worth is worth considering. So, you know, I think it, it does have a connection with the TV series because obviously that's in part at least what it's going to be about. So it'll be interesting to see how they adapt that um, that theme, that is the the sort of the, um, you know, the development of Numenorean power and imperialism and, and, and whatnot. Um, I think that'll be really important for the show. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I guess... We've talked a bit about the story, but um, and you, you read that lovely passage um, where where Menelda sort of um, sort of has that debate with himself, as it were, um, and then and then gives up. But of course, we also have Arendis, who I've mentioned, and I don't know what what was your take on her character, if, if indeed you have a have a take. Um, <laughs> um, a hot take. I quite like I like her, a hot take. Yeah, I quite I, I quite like her character. I think I sympathise quite a lot. Um, and of course, she has that great passage in the in the um, 
in the well, the appendix to the story <laughs> where she's telling her um where she's telling her daughter about how men just sort of use women for their um you know, for their physical needs and then toss them aside. Um mm. <laughs> which is quite a powerful little passage, I thought. Um Yeah, yeah. If if you read that bit, I don't know, did you if you had a look I did, I did, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to find it here. Um, uh, for me, it's on page 266, but it could be different if you have a if you have a um, Houghton Mifflin edition. The page numbers could be different. Yeah, I think I have different pages, but yeah, I, I found it here. Um, I'm not going to read it, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. I, I I I quite liked um, Arendus, and I, I got the sense that that the token liked her as well. Um, mm. I, I kind of got, um, I, I can't remember, you know, which, um, which parts of the Bible, um, you know, th- th- there's some, some theories that, that they were written, that, um, that it was written by a woman. Um, oh, I've I think possibly the, yeah. the mother of King Solomon, I think. Oh, um, wow. I don't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. So- the, the, the literary critic, uh, Harold Bloom, I think he, he, he calls her, um jay he, he calls like the the author jay um yeah yeah and uh hmm. it's been a while since i've since i've sort of read up on this but there there are certain books um in the bible um including including the the you know in in genesis um the the first part is is a is a sort of cosmic creation and then and then the second part is is um you know you have an anthropomorphized god you know walking through literally um molding um adam out of out of out of the earth um so and i i believe the the scholarship goes that that the um the jay the 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 woman wrote that second part as opposed to the cosmic one because it's a more personal it's a more personal story and um and 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 (laughs) in all these in in these other stories um you know there's always um a a level of Mm. um not satire but maybe maybe sort of um, like a sardonic wink at at the actions of men, which are also in the Bible, as in Aldarian and Arendus, presented as um, as you know noble and necessary and all that all that stuff, and yet um, in in this you know extraordinarily subtle way that you you really um, if, if you're just sort of glossing over it, you can miss. I think, but um, I, I think the 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 prose is actually quite. Um, not super critical of it, but kind of kind of rolling its eyes at it. Um, mm. I don't know if that makes any sense. And, and in that sense, yeah. it, it seems to be like a, a lot of the a lot of the passages, um, you know, actually seem to be almost written in in in, in the voice of Arendus, You know, even <laughs> um, <laughs> even if not yeah. you know, literally. So, um, yeah, um, you know, like I. I, I I'm sorry to be reading so much because I know I suck at reading out loud, but, um, but you know, there's this, yeah, I thought it was quite funny. It's like it's uh, among the last lines of the, um, of the actual thing before, before the sort of appendix. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Aldarian says, um, um, it, it is far below my, my hope of her. She, she has dwindled. And if I have wrought <laughs> this, then black is my blame, but do the large shrink in adversity this was not the way, not even in hate or revenge. She should have demanded that a great house be prepared for her, called for a queen's escort, and come come back to Armenelos with her beauty adorned royally with the star on her brow, then well nigh all the Isle of Numenor. 
she she might have uh, bewitched to her part and made me seem madman and churl. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that seems to be that seems almost to be written written um, by Arenda's kind of kind of saying you know a, a big kind that. of fuck you to Tildarian at the end there. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit of bitterness by the end um, for those who haven't read the story. Um, although, as as I've mentioned um, before. <laughs> You know, really, you need to have read the story to, to probably understand what we're talking about here. But um, yeah, no, I, I <laughs> um, that's a great passage. Yeah, um, just trying to find where she. But uh, trying to find the section where she she talks to her daughter. But yes, at any at any rate, uh, Arendus is a sympathetically drawn character, and I, I think what's interesting also that I don't hear remarked on very much is that just as we saw in the Children of Huron, which ends, of course, with suicides. Um, <laughs> sorry to spoil that, if anyone. <laughs> um, uh, we see here that it seems that Arendus, the story would have ended with sort of Arendus, sort of lost and forgotten, even by her own daughter, right? And then she would have sort of walked into the sea, Virginia Wolf-like, or, you know, she walked into mm. a river, whatever, and sort of, you know. So we see another story where Tolkien is sort of dispensing with that very moralistic um, sort of take on things that the Lord of the Rings gives Gandalf, you know, as I mentioned in the Children of Hurin episode, Gandalf sort of going about to Denethor and sort of saying, well, you'd have no right to take your own life, blah, blah, blah. There's none of that mm. here. It, it's, again, much more sort of um, character-driven um, in in that sort of wider sense, um, I don't know if you got that sense as well. But that's an interesting point. I, I didn't I didn't think about it in so many in so many words. But but I, I agree mm. with that. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely it it seems um, it seems much more hu- human scale again. You know, I, I think I've sort of used that comparison before, or used that um kind of um, yeah, yeah metric of of analysis. But yeah, it seems very. Um, like ground level, um, mm, mm. you know, like like you said, character driven ra- rather than any sort of um, grand grand ethics that, that that's driving yeah, the decisions. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. And I, I thought with with Arendus, the the um, the the way that um, the the way that that she is sort of um. She's. She. It almost seems like she. She is painted as a. As a kind of. Uh, a wood nymph or something like a. Uh, like a <laughs> she's. She's almost a spirit of the. Of the forest. Um, I think she. She even goes. Even goes to. She, she says somewhere that that. Um, what is the name? The, the name of the sea goddess or spirit. Um, oh, like you are yeah. something. Uinen. Yeah. Uinen. Uinen. Yeah. She, she says she says somewhere that um, that she is she is her enemy or her, her <laughs> rival or her something yes. like that. Um, but um, yeah, she, yeah. She, she seems to she seems to sort of personify um, the the exactly what Arendus is um, is tearing down, right? Um, mm. I, I think it's 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 a lovely it's a lo- it's a lovely sort of um, anthropomorphizing, you know, where where. You see Aldarian, you know, going, going 
uh, sea to to sort of tear down the the the, the timber to 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 sort of build his fleet and and whatnot um and and it's it's you know doing real harm to his relationship with with Arendis for obvious reasons but also you know while you know because because she's portrayed as this this person who sort of loves every tree in the forest and can't bear to see them chopped down um and and you know it gets the prose gets to to a point where i almost kind of identify her with the forest um and the and the trees um then you know there's a sort of metaphor there where he's he's really he's doing sort of you know uh literal li- literal violence to her as i guess people is fashionable to say these days <laughs> um I, I don't know if you i don't know if you got that vibe at all yeah definitely i mean yeah she she is identified increasingly with the forest although even there she comes to resent that and ends up in the sheep pastures because that's the only place that sort of eldarian hasn't somehow corrupted by his um by by his industry or his uh you know as she would see it um yeah so you know or by his by his economic uh you know i, I don't know how to you know his use of forests or the sea or whatever for economic purposes which she seems mm. to that's what she seems to have a problem with it's this um you know she wants to sort of stride amongst the old growth forest. <laughs> um, of course, you know, again, reading Lord of the Rings, of course, this is a huge theme in the book, um, in the Lord of the Rings and, and the sort of in the, um, I don't know, the, the, the sort of conflict between having to use the environment for economic purposes or, you know, um, and then also um, having to, uh, having to defend it against sort of, depredation and um where does the balance sit you know um where does it lie and i don't know i don't think the lord of the rings has like a clear sort of answer to that but but uh, you know this story presents sort of another another exploration of that idea again as i've said before particularly through that um particularly by linking sort of that exploitation with imperialism and, and asking about how that sort of works yeah is is it is it really true that in the in the lord of the rings um he's kind of ambiguous about it because my, my sense is that in lord of the rings he's, he's actually pretty clearly on the side um you know on the side of the trees or, or whatever you know um like well, it, yes, it but, seems like in yeah 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 well yeah yeah he is but then it's fairly clear that also it's not only the orcs who you know, cut down trees. It's you know, it's the humans, it's the hobbits, it's the you know, and and the forests and the forests themselves aren't always benign. There's also this sense of sort of, you know, the old forest is is sort of this um, semi-malicious um, place. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a little bit more ambiguity than simply forests, nature, good. Um, industrial industry bad. industry bad <laughs> i mean what, fair enough fair enough I, I guess what's so rancorous about saruman who is the kind of most obvious you know sort of example in the in the lord of the rings is is that he um his use of the forest is economic but also kind of it, it's wanton destruction as well for its own sake um but mm. but there is an ambiguity there right it's like well if saruman if saruman cuts down the forest okay we have the ants we're going to go fight saruman but it's not just saruman cutting down forests it's also hobbits it's also you know 
and, and it's also said like that the ants, well, the, the ants are going to fade out of memory and, and you know, they're going to, they're all going to die off and, and um, that sort of, there's an inevitability to that. So <laughs> there's this sense that once, once, once Aragorn is the king, you know, all of that sort of, that enchanted forest kind of thing <laughs> is going, you know, is going to sort of disappear, <laughs> and and we're not going to have that yeah. anymore. Right? Forests are just forests. We cut them down for trees. So, um, uh, I don't know. It's yeah. There is a bit of a weird sort of ambiguity there. I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but I I, th- I thought it was you know it's it's obviously quite distilled in this in this story because it's 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 so mm-hmm. short and. Um, yeah, and yeah. It, it seems it seems much more of a practical, um, a practical look at at, at it. Um, because I, I don't know, what are your thoughts on 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 um, Aldarian's um, imperialism, whatever his 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 sort of resource gathering? Um, do do you think ultimately, you know, that was that was a good choice or, or is it pretty obviously that it, you know not it's good. hard to say because i mean in the context of the book i, I don't know he's um you know on the one hand it's true that um this enables the numenorians later to sort of come to middle earth and defeat sauron but at the same time as i've said it sort of produces this situation where you know by the end of the second age you have these two slave empires fighting it out you know, for who's going to control Middle Earth. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the ethical situation there is not, certainly not very clear. Um, it's not simply yeah. the case that, uh, you know, Eldarian El and the Numenorians are sort of paragons of virtue and goodness and Sauron, well, you know, I guess Sauron is, you know, by this time fairly depredacious, but um, certainly the Numenorians become that as well. So, um, yeah. I think within the context of just this story, it, it's clearly the case that sort of, um, I, don't, I don't know, like imperial ambition does to an extent corrupt Eldarion, not necessarily like into becoming sort of a horrible person or anything himself, but into becoming obsessed and sort of distracted by that, right? And so um, mm. in the context of the smaller sort of bound boundaries of this story um you know he his relationships are never repaired he's you know, th- there's a moral cost right that there's a there's a there's a cost to his obsession so I, I don't know if that's what the story is meaning to suggest but it certainly does to me i suppose yeah 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 and i, I like that you that you sort of bring up the the idea of moral cost because i, I think the, the, the story deal kind of kind of deals with that in, in a pretty grown-up way i think um mm. To 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 the yeah. point that you know, um, th- there's even a sense that um, that you know, evil is not is not an island. Um, evil <laughs> evil, you know, it, it does it does have um, causes and, and sometimes you know legitimate ones. Um, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. you know it, it is in its response obviously sort of blown out of proportion. Um, but but yeah yeah no I, I think. Um, it just it seems to it seems to be going back to what we were talking about way way back. It seems to it seems to um, to sort of deal more in a grown up way than than um, than other things maybe. Um, 
about the sort of the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the trade-offs of, of, of politics. Um, I, yeah, I don't know who, yeah. who, who, who is it that says that, you know, in, in life, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. Um, this really, this really has <laughs> sort of distilled that into a story. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, this is probably the story that I wish he'd finished the most because I think, again, I think it would have had this tragic ending and I think, you know, had it, it seems like his plan for it was to go to the next generation perhaps. And then, um, hmm. and Calame would have been more of a character and you know, her sort of whatever. So yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting, interesting story, but, um, it's, uh, it's one I wish, I wish he had worked on enough to, to finish, but oh, well, <laughs> I guess we, <laughs> yeah, we work with what alas. we have. Yeah. 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 So there's a so charm yeah. to it too. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, and, and as, as we've with said, all, with all unfinished works. That's true. Yeah. And I think the, the editorial job does a lovely, does, does the, the, the editing makes it does a lovely job of, um, of sort of rounding the circle, if you like. And, um, we see how the story might've ended, um, sort of befittingly tragic, um, as I said, sort of with horrendous walking into the sea. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a, it, it's sad in its own way, but it also prefigures, prefigures the conflict to come in a, in a sort of personal sense um, between these characters. So I think it's a fascinating little, little piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course it deals with, with, um, you know, it deals with relationships and even to an extent there are, you know, for Tolkien, more, much more explicit, you know, quasi-sexual references. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's even allusion to that much more forthrightly than there is in Lord of the Rings. Um, although Children of Heron has that too. It's not, not so out of character in the Silmarillion material. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know if you yeah. noticed picked up on that but yeah 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 t- totally um i'm trying to I, I was kind of spotty about underlining here <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah. hard to hard to find things on a, in a in a in a in a jiffy but um do, do you have any thoughts on 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 the sort of relationship dynamics between Aldarian and arendus you know in terms of how they're how they're sort of um painted and and um Hmm. Yeah, just like, what what are your thoughts on on them as a as an as an item? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm convinced by their by their courtship. Um, but of course, you know, I think what, as you've mentioned, he does a nice job of sort of um, really painting that gradual bitterness and resentment as it grows um, over time, especially on Arendus's behalf. I feel like Eldarion is, is very is just aloof a lot of the time, and then finally, sort of starts to feel his own bitterness at the end but um mm. yeah especially on the part of horrendous and you you really i think feel that you know which is why it's powerful and you sort of mentioned before that there's a sense that there's a sense that you can um sort of come to inhabit her process, her thoughts and, and her um, point of view um so yeah i, I don't know what about you yeah, yeah, I I would agree with everything you said. Um, I think it's funny that there there seem to be a few a few lines where 
Aldarian is really sort of portrayed as as a mm. almost like a like a kind of childish jock yeah, yeah, or definitely. something. You know, he's yeah, very he um, he's like, like yeah. Like, yeah I, I have one line underlined here that that I'm, I've just happened on, but it's kind of hilarious. Um, he says. <laughs> He says, "Smiths may smithy and horsemen ride and miners delve when they are betrothed." Said he. Therefore, uh, why may not yes. mariners sail? It's like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What That's are you funny. smoking? And can I have some? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could use that as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, 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 and you know the. the I think you've you've sort of talked about their their long um, their long is it courtship is it technically courtship the whole period um, that they betrayal, sort of like, betrayal I guess yeah 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 I don't I don't know what the technical term is yeah but you know <laughs> it, it 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 really draws on and um, mm. you know Eldarian seems to be the only one that doesn't mind you know mm. Mm. Um, it, it he just he just is. So the way that the story is, is structured, you know, you don't actually know what he's up to until mm. pretty much the very end, right? I think right, yeah. um, that we, we should have said that. But um, so that has like another interesting dynamic to it because for, for most of the story, you know, you're reading this, um, you know, and I think Tolkien obviously wants you to think this. Um, Eldarian seems like the most selfish, self-centered asshole around. Yeah, um, yeah. There really is no, at least, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm supposed to be picking up on subtext that I, that I didn't, but, um, it largely just seems like, um, he's obsessed with his hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. To, to the, to, <laughs> to the detriment of all of his relationships, you know, like every single one of them. Uh, and then at the end it's like, oh, okay. You know, maybe he had some like important worldly political cause for this thing. Um, but that doesn't really excuse him. Um, yeah. It doesn't really excuse his, his behavior. Uh, that's not all he's doing, of course, because he is, of course, also, as we've talked about already, you know, he's also setting up the port. He's also sort of, um, you know, engaged in some of that more, in, engaging in some of that more dubious um, imperialism, imperialistic mm. behavior. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, that certainly still seems to be part of it, even if we grant that, okay, yes, he's, you know, preparing an alliance against Sauron that will come to fruition later. But, but as I've said, even that is, even that has a sort of dubious or uncertain uh, dimension to it because it's really it becomes something more than that, you know, it becomes something much more aggressive than simply a, a sort of an alliance to defeat Sauron um, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought I just think, think that's that's mm -hmm. interesting. That um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, again, yeah. going back to to what I was saying, it, um, it it seems like 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 Token is pretty pretty even handed on on them both. But um, mm -hmm. but but maybe there's a slight there's a slight sort of um, as I'm thinking about it more, I, I might sort of correct that and and say that you know maybe maybe the maybe the the story is actually kind of reflexively disdainful of of Aldarian. Um, cause for, for the, for like 98% of it, you know, you're reading this thing and it, it is really horrendous tragedy, you know, that, mm, that, um, yeah. she's essentially with, with a, um, she's essentially with a man who's, who's never around. 
Yeah, yeah um, that's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, and is leading her. You know, he leads her on for. I, I actually lost track of how long it, it was over ten years, right? That they were between the courting and the and the yeah, engagement period. Yeah, yeah. I guess they live long lives, so but still, they do live long know, lives, but yeah, it's, but it's ridiculous. Time, yeah. um, he, he leads her on. He leads her on forever. Um, you know, I guess yeah, he. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he's the ultimate like leading. Yeah, leader on whatever you call. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slash kind he, of ghosting. Sometimes. He's just like a he's just like a self centered mm. bro, really. Um, he's like every sort of twenty year old dude. Um, <laughs> yes, you can yeah. you can you can think about. Um, and um, yeah, it, it seems like you know, Token kind of leans into that, and and you don't, you don't really get to get hip to the sort of larger agenda um, till the end. And even then, it's kind of me, like you said, it's kind of um, it's kind of a. Uh, a sort of weak excuse and uh and e- yeah. even what he's up to is kind of dubious anyway so yeah i don't know mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting it really um i, I wouldn't go so far as to say that arendis is like you know a, a strong female character but um <laughs> she's, i mean she is in her own way right she's just a normal she behaves like a believable person i mean, at least i think you know in that yeah, sense she's true. a strong character um in the sense that she's True. given all the agency of a of a human being in a, in the in the story, um, but she's certainly not. Actually, you're, you're right. I, I I stand corrected on that. Um, you know, like the at at the end when she when she um, when she turns down Aldarian, um, mm-hmm. that 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 when as I was reading it, that was kind of a, a remarkable moment because I, I was gearing up for you know mm. the the. I was kind of gearing up for the you know classic happy ending, like oh the the father like forgives him because you know he was actually doing politics this whole time and um you know he's gonna get his he's gonna get the throne like his dad's back on his side he's gonna get the girl it's gonna be fine and then you know Arendis just you know says you know I'm yeah, I'm sorry but you can go fuck yourself so you know that's that's it is true <laughs> no it is not a happy ending at all. <laughs> Um, you know, it, so I don't know. It's very much like Children of Heron in, in some sense. These people sort of battered by um, by their decisions and by their by their strong personalities all around. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, gosh, it's a yeah, it's interesting. Well, I, I had think, a, I had a question um, real real quick. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, if yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. if we're not going on too long. Um, is there is there any connection to 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 um, the kind of when we were talking about the the children of of Huron and and of Turin in particular, um, the, yeah. the sort of northern the northern oh um, yeah yeah kind of temperament? Um, is there is there any element of that? Because right off the bat, you know, there's there's this there's this line um, about Aldarian, uh, you know, he grew swiftly to a, to a man of great stature, strong and vigorous in mind and body, golden hair to his mother, re- ready to mirth and generous, but, um, but prouder yeah. than his father and ever more bound on his own will from the first mm. he loved the sea and his mind just turned to the craft of shipbuilding. I don't know. And he, he seems very, very sort of um, brash, again, self-centered. Um, I don't know. What, yeah. what do you I think mean, there are that? certainly similarities with Turin there, um, I think, in terms of his character, yeah, def- definitely. Um, pardon me. Um, I mean, to be quite frank, I, I like Turin more than I like Eldarion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because Turin's motivated by uh, different things, and I don't know. But but yeah, Eldarion. I, I don't know. He he does. I don't know. May, maybe there's a sense of that northern 
heroic sort of brash character there. But I don't think he's motivated by quite the same ideas here. I think he's just, Aldarin is more of, as you say, kind of a bro. I don't know. <laughs> he's motivated <laughs> yeah. more by um, not greed. It's not quite the right thing to say, but definitely. Um, and I think it changes over time. Obviously, we've talked about his sea lawing, but then he also develops this interest in, I suppose, the political, right, the situation, Middle Earth, whatever. And again, we don't find out much about that, but that's obviously where his interest goes. Um, hmm. And in some sense, that's, you know, um, that's what Erendis is talking about when she does the speech and sort of says um, that men in Numenor um, turn their play into great matters and great matters into play and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, all things were made for their service. Hills are for quarries, rivers to furnish waters, or to turn wheels, trees for boards, women for their bodies need, or if fair to adorn the table and hearth, children to be teased when nothing else is to do, but they would as soon play with, the hounds, with their hounds' whelps. To all their gracious and kind, merry as larks the morning, if the sun shines, for they are never wrathful if they can avoid it. Men should be gay. Yes, they should. <laughs> they hold generous as the rich, <laughs> giving away what they do not need. Um, yeah, so. Um, oh, no, what did she say? That, though? Um, anger they should show only when they become aware suddenly that there are other wills in the world beside their own. So then they will be as ruthless as the sea wind if anything dare to withstand them. That is that it is Ancalame, and we cannot alter it. For men fashioned Numenor, men, those heroes of old that they sing of, of their women we hear less, save that they wept when the men were slain. So, yeah, um, it's interesting. I always feel like Tolkien is um, criticizing his own, some of his own stories there, because we literally hear about like women weeping when their men were slain <laughs> in like the first age yeah, stories. Yeah. So, there's definitely an awareness Again, there it's, of the sort of, yeah. Yeah. No. Again, it seems it seems um, like like I was saying, like um, a, a story written written by the. Mm. It, it seems like a story written by a a, a female pretending to be um, male in, in a mm. time when when um, you couldn't just outright yeah. say these 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 men are being foolish. Um, so so instead, she she does it much more subtly and with satire, you know, with with great mm. irony. There's a, there's a line here when when Arandis is talking to her mother, and her mother mm. is, is sort of disapproving of the way that she's feeling, yeah. um, and, and yeah. she says, um, the mother says, uh, "quote, oh, uh, sorry, uh, where is it? A woman must share her husband's love with his work and the fire of his spirit, or make him a thing not lovable." Um, which is a, a wonderful line and, and sort, of, sort of driven with irony because, of course, at this point, Eldarion is anything but lovable already. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, need any yeah, help yeah. from Arandas. Thank you very much. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it is, it's quite sensitive. Um, it's, it's quite sensitively written. And um, yeah, it, it just it seems, you know, if you just read one level below the, the, the text itself, it seems um, sort of just uh, full of reflexive disdain for... For, um, for, the, for the for the bros and their goings on, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, so it's a yeah, it's a it's a fascinating little piece. Um, well, you know, I think I think again, this is one we can come back to again one time um, at some mm. st- some stage. Um, but um, yeah, I think we've we've had a good discussion there about about some of the ideas in the text and the characters. Um, was there anything I don't know final you you felt like you wanted to say about? About the story before we drew 
draw this to a close or i think i think i pretty much covered covered most of my thoughts i, I didn't really have anything yeah. organized so you know i can't i can't say if i've forgotten anything no that's cool yeah um i guess all i would say is if you haven't read it for those who who may be listening um go and read it it's in unfinished tales it's uh it, it rewards reading i think and um and rereading and considering in light of some of the other works that we've talked about and uh yeah so thanks for listening and again we've got that patreon if if anyone wants to help us out so i can get a bit of mic <laughs> um it's a, a talking reading pod um that's a great and, pitch. Uh, That's a great pitch right there, man. Um, you know, if you're, if you're tired of hitting, if, if you're tired of hearing the shitty audio quality on this, go subscribe to my Patreon. <laughs> We're gonna yeah, hold I'm your ears my, hostage. <laughs> I'm doing my best, but yeah, it's, it's no. like the one I've got at the moment is is, is perhaps not the greatest. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving anyway. a hard time. That's <laughs> yeah, right. But um, yeah, so uh, as I say, we've got a couple of interviews coming up this and next month, and then. Um, we will, well, we haven't quite decided what we will look at next, but uh, it'll be something interesting, no doubt. And so we'll we'll see you there. So was there anything final you wanted to say, Shrita, to our no, illustrious you know, yeah. <laughs> Um Be well. And, and, you know, again, I hope I haven't, uh, haven't, I hope I haven't pissed off too many, you know, you know, actual token people who are listening. <laughs> I'm sure it's, I'm sure we're fine. I think that was a, that was a pretty good good discussion um and i didn't get any i didn't get any feedback about the hobbits so i think people are fine (laughs) awesome all right all right later peace out